1: Hi from Buffalo. Late April and early May means spring here in western New York and one joy is the return of migratory songbirds to our region. We have a big lake here as you know and tired birds who have been in the air for quite a while literally drop down to recuperate in downtown Buffalo. So for birders, the TIFF Nature Preserve and Times Beach, Forest Lawn Cemetery and the Buffalo Botanical Gardens Our warbler and songbird hotspots. I'm Peter Sabota. In this episode, our guest Lynn Thomas describes equine-assisted psychotherapy, or EAP, an experiential approach that integrates horses in the treatment experience. Ms. Thomas describes what EAP is and what it's not, and articulates a framework for facilitation and standards for using horses in psychotherapy. She addresses questions like, why horses, and what does a clinician do in this approach? This leads to a description of who typically benefits and the kinds of needs or problems that can be addressed by this approach. Lynn Thomas, LCSW, is Executive Director of the Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association. She has over 16 years experience working with adolescents, families, individuals, and groups, in youth corrections, wilderness and ranch programs, private practice, and mental health settings. Ms. Thomas was interviewed by telephone in January of 2015 by Julia Fearley, LCSW, an alumna of the UB School of Social Work.
2: This is Julia Fearley from UB School of Social Work. I'm on the phone with Lynn Thomas from AGALA. She is the Executive Director. Lynn, what does AGALA stand for?
3: Okay. Well, first of all, hi. Thanks, Julia. And EGALA is the Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association. We're a nonprofit professional association for professionals who do equine-assisted psychotherapy and personal development. We do training and we do certification and set standards for using horses for mental health treatment.
2: Fantastic. Now, as a practitioner in a similar field, I find that people often confuse equine-assisted psychotherapy with therapeutic riding or hippotherapy. Can you explain a little bit more about what equine-assisted psychotherapy is and how this differs?
3: Yeah, I think the idea of using horses in therapy is just becoming more awareness about that concept even. And there is a lot out there that's happening in ways that horses are being incorporated. So it makes sense that there's a little bit of confusion. And I think a lot of people don't even know what all those terms are. I think the main focus to think about and when people are looking into these kind of services is what is the goal, what is the service being provided. So hippotherapy is a term that's used for using horses for physical therapy or occupational therapy, or speech and language therapy, and it involves licensed professionals in those areas. Whereas equine-assisted psychotherapy is what it says, of course, using horses for psychotherapy, and thus involves licensed mental health professionals. There's other terms out there, for instance, therapeutic riding. Therapeutic riding is really teaching people with different disabilities, horsemanship, and riding skills. And through that, there's naturally therapeutic benefits from engaging in those kind of activities. And there's some special training to be able to safely involve people with different disabilities with horses. So that's what therapeutic riding is. But it's not specific to meet the goals of, say, physical therapy like hippotherapy is or mental health therapy like equine-assisted psychotherapy is. So it's really important to be clear about what service your clients need whether it be physical therapy, recreational type um, experiences that have therapeutic benefits, or mental health treatment, which is what equine-assisted psychotherapy would be.
2: Okay. What is the Agala model?
3: So the Agala model is an actual model, of course. It's a framework for how to involve the horses effectively into your mental health sessions. So it's a model of both facilitations and standards. So there's four key standards to the EGALA model. The first is that there's a team approach. All EGALA sessions involve a licensed mental health professional working with a qualified equine specialist. And so the nice thing about that too is if you don't know anything about horses, this is still a technique you can get involved in doing as a mental health professional because you're working with an equine specialist who does know about the horses. And so that team is always there no matter what. The next standard is that what we do in EGAL is all on the ground. There's no riding involved. There's a lot of different reasons for that, mainly for our purposes and what we're accomplishing in our mental health goals. We don't need to get on the horse's back. The value of the horse on the ground is that they respond naturally to the messages the clients send them. And so we want them to be able to be themselves, and that's one of the values of working on the ground with the horses. Not that there's not benefits to riding, But what we do in EGALA is all on the ground. The third key standard in EGALA is that we're, we call it solution-oriented. But what we mean by that is that we believe our clients have the best solutions for themselves when given the opportunity to discover them. So it's a very empowering model. It's very much about the client's discovering and it being about their story. It's very client-centered and client-directed. And to set up an environment like that, there's actually a lot of key skills to make it where it really is about the client's story and direction. And then the fourth standard to EGALA's model is our code of ethics. And we do, with our code of ethics, also have an ethics committee and a way to uphold our standards so that we have a high reputation of professionalism and ethical practice amongst people who are certified in EGALA. So that's kind of encompasses the key points of the EGALA model. And, of course, there's a lot more we could talk about it. But it's nice because having a model, one, it can be replicated, it can be taught, and it can be researched. So when people say they're doing the EGALA model, there's an understanding of what the service is that's being provided and the process that is being used.
2: Okay. Um, I think we're going to get a little bit more into the research later on in the interview. Where do you practice this Agala model form of equine-assisted psychotherapy?
3: Well... You know, first I should say, in a gala. Actually, we have over 4,500 members now in 50 countries. we were founded in 1999, and so the services are being offered now around the world. And of course, as far as the logistics of doing this work, it's a little bit more challenging because we have two professionals, a horse professional the mental health professional, and then we need the horses and the space to do it in in a space that's confidential. So there's a lot of logistics to working out how to do this work, but there's horses and there's horse facilities all around the world, and it seems to have been a model that's crossing cultures, and no matter what language, what culture, it's been a model that's been embraced and working out really well.
2: This is really exciting. How did you choose this work and why?
3: Well, my background is mental health i'm a mental health for, i'm a licensed clinical social worker, actually, so yay, social workers, and I actually don't have a background with horses. I like to share that because I like to encourage people that even if you don't have a background or even interest in horses, this is something to look at and The reason I got involved in it is because I saw it work. I saw it change the clients I was working with in a way that nothing else I've experienced has done. I do have a background doing a lot of experiential approaches. I worked in wilderness therapy quite a bit, did a lot of ropes courses. And I've just always been a big believer in the concept of doing versus just talking. And so when I started doing the work with the horses, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And that's what got me excited about it. So that's the main reason why I do it. And I encourage people who haven't checked it out to, to check it out and learn more about it.
2: Lynn, do you have a story about how EAP has helped somebody?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories that can be told about how they help people. Just to kind of give an example of what we might do, and then I'll follow that up with a real client example. For instance, just when clients first show up, just inviting them to go out and do something with the horses, whether it be even just meeting them. If they're having issues with relationships, well, here are a bunch of relationships in this space that they can go out and start. And through that we are able to watch how they start those relationships, how those relationships develop, and those end up becoming parallels to exactly what's going on in their life. And the horses respond to what they're doing and how they're doing it, and that gives information then. Whether they walk away, whatever they do, it gives information about the client's intent, their feelings, their behaviors, and their belief systems. And the other neat thing about it is that the horses just end up playing out exactly what's going on in their life. And so, for instance, one example was we were working with a lady. She had had her kids removed from her home. And she was just choosing to walk the horse around the space. And as she's walking the horse around, the horse started nipping, meaning kind of put its teeth on her arm a little bit. Just kind of gently, not hard or anything, but, you know, kind of started doing that. And at one point we stopped and said, hey, what's happening here? And she goes, well, it means he likes me. And we're like, well, okay, we will just, you know, know that at some point if it continues, it could increase in the bite. (laughs) So she's walking around, he's doing it more, and she's like, oh, it's because he likes me. It's because he likes me. And at one point he nips on her and he kind of holds her skin in his teeth And we said, whoa, you know, what's happening here? And she goes, well, I know it's because he likes me, but I don't like this anymore. Well, this was a horse who had never done anything like that before, but this was a domestic violence situation. And it was really interesting how this horse played out exactly the dynamic that was going on at home with her and her belief systems. And so then she was able to start working on, well, is this okay for this to keep happening? And then she's able to work through that and get her own identity, her own belief about how she's going to stand up to this and what she's going to do with it if she doesn't want it to continue anymore. So it was neat to then watch her process, and that was the key to this. It was her process about how she's going to choose or when she's going to choose to say, and this is enough, and this is how I'm going to stop it. And she's able to work through that in a very emotionally safe environment.
2: That's really amazing. Why horses? Why not dogs?
3: Well we get that question a lot and you know I think the thing about horses is several things. One is they are a prey animal and as such they are very responsive and aware of what's going on in their environment and they respond to that. They are not there to get our approval, they're not there to please us, they're there just to be themselves and their survival instinct and as such they respond to our nonverbal messages. Whereas dogs are different that way. Dogs kind of have a tendency to like to have a relationship and please us and do what we ask a lot of times in exchange for a treat or a pet or something. Horses aren't necessarily that way. They're just going to be themselves. Just like any relationship, it really takes some work and we have to be very clear in what we're doing and how we're doing it in order for them to respond the way we want them to, just like people are. And so it's nice because... Clients learn that if I want this relationship to change, I have to change myself. So that's one of the benefits, of horses. The other is that they're large. <laughs> and so their size adds to the experience because it can be a little bit scary. And confronting that fear again is a part of what we're working on in our lives of approaching what we're scared of and how to work through that. So that can add to it. The other part is their social dynamic as a herd is very similar to our social dynamic so how horses act and treat one another becomes a metaphor for how we act and treat one another and if we want that group to work better together the things we do to get them to work better together end up affecting us and our lives and how we can work better with other people so those are a few things there's probably more I mean I could keep going on but one other thing I was just thinking They're also very, it's very physical. I mean, you're moving your body, you're involving your body in a way, you know, and you're doing that with dogs as well. You know, as far as their similarities, of course, it's about relationship. But I think because horses respond in a way that's much more, it's not about us, (laughs) but they're responding to what we're saying, that, that gives us really valuable information.
2: That's really interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about the role of social workers in this work or the mental health specialists and and how they work with the equine specialists?
3: Yeah, it's a really neat opportunity to work. Personally, I've always enjoyed working with co-facilitators. I feel I learn a lot working with a co-facilitator. I've always enjoyed group work. And doing this work is really like group work all the time because even if you're working with an individual client, you have all these horses out there that cause this group dynamic. And so it's nice having a co facilitator there, having two sets of eyes. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot to be aware of with physical safety and emotional safety for both horses and clients. And so you're both there to be able to handle all the dynamics that are going on and be conscious of it. It's also nice because there's so much counter-transference that can happen, especially in this type of work. It's very powerful, and it brings up a lot of our stuff. And having that person there to kind of check and balance each other, I think, is really valuable. And then as far as their roles, I mean, the horse specialist is very much a co-facilitator and very much involved from the standpoint of really paying attention to the horses and other symbols in the environment. In the GALA model, we look at the experience is a story and that that's their storyboard and that the horses and everything else in the environment are characters in the story and what those characters and horses are doing we at times when we step in and talk with the clients and and hear about their experience they're sharing their story and we then reflect back some moments that happened out there that relate to what they're talking about so they can look at it from another outside perspective So as the horse specialist is watching all those things going on, the social worker then is building off what the equine specialist is bringing up. We're taking it to another level as far as depth with what's going on in the client's life or helping the client continue on in their story with it still being their story. So it's very much a team flow and I've been doing this work for about 20 years now and I would... Never do it without my
2: equine specialist. Thank you. Now, you mentioned earlier that somebody, a social worker with no background in horses, can do the Agala model. What does it take for a social worker to become certified in Agala?
3: Basically, there's two three-day courses. There's the part one and the part two. And with that, so you take those two courses there, and they are hands-on. And then you also submit a professional development portfolio that indicates how you meet the mental health standard, which is being a licensed mental health professional. So those three things is what you can do to actually gain your initial certification. EGALA requires you to do continuing education because there's always a lot more to learn. And so every two years you do 20 hours of continuing education to keep getting more learning in the model so it's renewed every two years that
2: way. Great. Now, are those CEUs, are they NASW credits as well?
3: They are. We are approved provider for NASW, so that's nice because you can come to the EGALA training and do this really interesting, exciting, rewarding modality, and it gets you kind of outside and you also are learning a lot. fact, with the EGALA model, we have a lot of our participants tell us that it has actually transformed what they're doing in the office as well. So
2: it's really beneficial
3: for multiple reasons, and it's really nice because you get 20 CEUs each training through NASW.
2: That's wonderful. Now, is this work covered by insurance if a social worker from an agency were to refer clients
3: It is. Again, it's covered because we're doing psychotherapy and so if you as a licensed mental health professional are allowed to bill insurance and you're following all the rules and regulations for psychotherapy sessions, that is the service we're offering. The EGALA model is one of the modalities we're using just as if we were using SANTRE or play therapy and cognitive behavioral and all the different modalities we're using in our sessions. So this is a psychotherapy session and that's key to this and that's how it is billed.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Who are the clients that most benefit from EAP?
3: You know, I think it really pretty much, I know I could be biased here with that. I think it helps everybody because it is about doing, not just talking. And people experience it. They are just. It's hard to even explain how powerful it is for people. But certainly my experience too has been it's really helpful when you're working with involuntary clients or nonverbal clients, and involuntary meaning like, you know, adolescents who really don't want to be there, or people who are in the criminal justice system, or addictions, or people who really aren't looking to change, this can be a very beneficial approach, because it comes at it in a way that, again, it's learning through the experience, and they're growing through the experience, whether they wanted to or not, and so it's not relying on talk, which so many of them know how to, to talk the talk. And then as far as the nonverbal, yeah, I think people, both whether it be age-wise, personality-wise, or culturally, it's not a fit for everyone to sit in an office and verbally and consciously share about what's going on in your life. And that's why things like santre and play therapy have been developed. And so what we're doing out there is very similar to those kind of approaches. So it's a lot of the nonverbal experience is making the impact And whether the clients want to share what's going on behind it is up to them, but the learning and the insights are still happening.
2: Gotcha. Are you doing any work with the military or veterans?
3: Yes, absolutely. The military has been a wonderful area that has been growing. And both the interest and the openness to this, I think, again, we're talking about being a very experiential, hands-on approach, which I think probably fits very well for a lot of people involved in the military. And it's also as a nonverbal approach and a lot of about relationship and connecting that it has been very powerful for military members who are going through this approach. So it's definitely growing. EGALA has a designation that we created as a standard called EGALA Military Services, We did that because we do feel it is so important for people who work with the military to understand and know that culture. And that's part of our code of ethics anyway as social workers, that we stay in our scope of practice. However, we also wanted a way to kind of also help put in a system so people would know, yeah, they have background and training with the military and the military culture. So people can look for the Gala Military Services designation. But it has been very effective with this population, a lot of the feedback we get is how much time. I've been amazed at how much time they spend just wanting to hold the horses. And, you know, sometimes as a social, we're like, is anything happening? Are we doing our our job? And yet they come back, and the feedback we get a lot is this feeling of feeling so disconnected from themselves that somehow that act, that physical act of connecting with the horse is helping them connect with themselves. So that's been interesting and really neat to watch. And, yeah, they get to work through a lot of those things in their time frame and in a way that is emotionally safe. So they don't have to talk about things that they are not ready to talk about, but it's interesting, too, that how many clients talk about things to the horses that they would never talk about with a human. And that's a start, because that's where they are at, and that's where they start. And, you know, that works.
2: Now, are you primarily dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder with the military, or are there other issues?
3: That's probably the primary is that. However, yes, definitely other issues, especially addictions, family relationship issues, family families in general, working with the families are probably the biggest areas. And I shouldn't say just PTSD. A lot of it is just transitions and stress, combat stress or just stress. <laughs> Sometimes being home is more stressful. So, it's working through those kinds of things.
2: You mentioned families, you know, helping them connect back or work out issues with their families. Does EAP have a role in strengthening families and if so, can you elaborate on that?
3: Yeah. The neat thing about what we're doing in the gala model especially, too, is a lot of it is through the metaphor. And the relationships between the horses become a metaphor for the relationship between the family themselves. And so next thing you know, and this is all, again, from the clients and what happens from their experience out there, next thing you know, that horse is spouse one and that other horse is the other spouse and those horses are the children over there and as they are able to project outside of themselves onto the horses and see it from that outside perspective somehow that's really effective and next the horses will play out exactly what's happening in their relationships it's you know again it could be just the nature of projection or whatever but the horses tend to do things in a way that people are like that's exactly what is happening and if they wanted to change then they can actually physically go out and start making changes And then the family relationships end up changing. So that's some of the value of this is that ability to work through things in a way that is projected out of themselves. It's put in a very physicalized way, what's very sometimes abstract inside of ourselves. And they can work with it. They can change it. And the horses respond exactly what's going on for them.
2: I understand that you have teams that are working with many families and first responders in both the Newtown Connecticut tragedy and with the factory explosion in Waco, Texas. Can you share what that experience has been like?
3: Yeah, I think that this work has been really effective in general with trauma, any kind of trauma, and so when you're especially talking about community community traumas from different whether it be natural disaster or terrible situations that have happened it just provides another way to help people work through their healing process and it does it in a way that fits for people who just need kind of this experiential place to go to the connection with the horses seems to really help and it seems to move them forward in their healing process in a way than what I've experienced or what we're noticing even in some research of sitting in an office. So there's just a lot of extra benefits because trauma is a very much a physical as well as emotional experience. So having an intervention that addresses all those areas I think is really beneficial. So And your thing about Newtown with the children, again, it's a wonderful sand play therapy approach where the characters are big and they're alive and they respond to you. So it adds this your dynamic that is really, I think, interesting and beneficial.
2: Right. Now, do you do any work with corporations?
3: We do. There's a lot of our members who do this with corporations. Any kind of personal development or organizational development, this is a great way to learn about ourselves and to find solutions to things that we're trying to work through in our lives. So, yes, that's definitely another area. We are starting up uh, what we call EGALA Corporate Services, which is training and skill sets focused on working with corporate groups and individuals in that area.
2: Great. What mental health or behavioral challenges are best treated with this model? You had mentioned earlier about trauma and this being very effective for that is that what you would consider one of the best challenges that are treated by equine-assisted psychotherapy?
3: Yeah, I think that will continue to be discovered, but we basically do have members working, I think, with every possible diagnosis out there and practically every possible personal development goal. So trauma, addictions, eating disorders, depression, anxiety, family relationships, learning disabilities and um, criminal behaviors, those are probably some of the real common areas. And I think because some of those clients can be more challenging as well, so there's probably been a more openness to this. And, yeah, this actually really is a great way to reach some of those more difficult-to-reach clients.
2: Why do you think it's so effective for these kinds of clients that we have?
3: Yeah, that's a very good question. Like I said, I think it's a very different environment and the horses add this dynamic that seems to impact people in a way that's different from other scenarios and situations. So I don't know if I have the answer to the why yet. I think we could say a lot of hypotheses except for I think it somehow being confronted by a horse to say I don't like what you're doing seems to affect people, especially like adolescents or people like I said, involuntary clients, seems to affect them more than when we say it. You know, so, you know, that's not healthy behavior. How is this helping your life? You know, let's look at what you want, and let's look at the difference from where you're at, you know. But when the horse does it, they seem to listen. And maybe it's because the horse doesn't speak our language, but they speak a very strong nonverbal language. And the thing about horses, too, is they don't have our biases. They don't have our preconceived conceptions and judgments and... And people who, when they're working with the horses, they know that. They know they're working in a relationship that is with a living being that doesn't have any of those labels or things about them. And there's something about that for people. And I think that fits for for all animals in general. And like I said earlier, though, the thing about the horses are they are usually a little bit more, as an animal, telling you exactly what they think and what they don't like, versus maybe other animals that maybe don't really show that. You know, dogs are, like I said, are more likely to please, and not that there's not also some training and things you have to learn with that relationship, but it seems that horses are really fun to work with that way because they are very authentic with just like, oh, I don't like this, or I do, and I don't care. (laughs) I don't care who you are or how much education you have or how much money you have or not.
2: So the old adage, a horse never lies.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and will they say that? I guess we really don't know whether they lie or not, perhaps in their own language. <laughs> Who knows what they're really doing? But for us, whatever they're doing seems to, um, they are responding to our nonverbal messages without all those other human things that we do when we mm-hmm. respond.
2: Now, earlier you mentioned research. Can you share some of the findings or statistics that equine-assisted psychotherapy works? Well,
3: there is some preliminary research out there. There still is a lot more that needs to be done. But initial data is very promising. People can go to our website, egala.org, slash research, and there's a lot of research information there. There was a recent study that came out it's on our website. And that was very promising because it had some control groups, and they found that the GALA model, as compared to dog therapy and psychoeducation and control groups, was significantly better at or made a difference in reducing aggression in psychiatric inpatients. And so I thought stuff like that is coming out that's starting to give more of the statistical support about, yeah, what we are seeing anecdotally and why clients are referring and why this is growing is is yeah there's starting to be more and more data to support that anecdotal evidence.
2: That's really encouraging. Do you have any strategic partners to help further this work? And are these programs available in any universities?
3: Yeah, there is definitely a lot more universities becoming interested in introducing their students at least. Some are even offering courses in it or some are just making it part of a course to introduce the concept of it. So it is growing that way. EGALA has a textbook that we have endorsed for those kind of programs for people who want to introduce it into their university settings that way. As far as strategic partners, that's something that as an association that we are continuing to develop. We have a partnership, for instance, with the Lone Survivor Foundation. The Lone Survivor Foundation does military retreats. Some are for the military service members themselves. Some are family ones. Some have different focus areas, whether it be PTSD or sexual assault. And they use the EGALA model as a primary part of their retreats. And we have a wonderful relationship with them in working to, when they leave the retreats, they want to continue their work at home using the GALA model, and we're able to help support making those services available so they can continue at home in their own treatment process. The other ones that we're working on and looking at, for instance, like with the schools, with Boys and Girls Club and other types of programs that we're looking to partner with to help provide these services and make them more available.
2: That's great. What are some of the roadblocks and challenges that you face as an organization you know, to get potential clients and social workers to ascribe to this model?
3: I think the first roadblock has been that people just don't know about it. And the second is they don't understand it. And the third is they think, well, I don't know anything about horses, so this doesn't apply to me. And I think slowly but surely, hopefully, we're breaking down some of those roadblocks that the biggest way that it, the roadblocks are getting broken down is just when people come in and experience it themselves or watch a presentation of it. Then it starts clicking like, oh, wow, okay, I see how this can work and how this can be beneficial. So another challenge, of course, is getting more of the research and the data out And the other challenge is the logistics of it and the cost. As mentioned, you have to have horses. You have to have a space, an arena space. You have to have two professionals. There is an additional logistical and cost-impacted challenge to what we're doing. But despite all of that, we have now over 4,500 members, as I mentioned, and that's because The rewards and what people are seeing and how effective it is, it's worth it. And the data is starting to show, yeah, there's going to be improved outcomes, even with the extra cost, ideally so that the cost is less in the long run, which I believe that it is. I have clients that will come back a year. I've had clients that I had a corporate group that came back five years later. We did a one-day thing with them. This was a group of trainers in a very large corporation, so they're in charge of training, so they go do a lot of trainings themselves, and they came and said, five years later, we are still talking about that one-day thing we did with you guys, and that's pretty impressive from a longevity of how it impacts people and stays with people at a very physical, emotional, and mental level, so there are definitely challenges to it, but I feel that we've made a lot of gains, and... As I mentioned earlier, too, I'm not a horse person. I choose to do this because it works. From my perspective, you know, what I see with my clients, it works. And I want to do the best service I can for my clients.
2: Great. What would your advice be to a graduate student who wants to get involved in this kind of work?
3: Well, absolutely, it would be great. You can learn more by going to our website, eGala, E-A-G-A-L-A. Dot org, And you can even go ahead and get involved by going through the training program. You won't be able to practice as the mental health side of the team until you obtain your licensure, but it is a way to start getting that knowledge and even be able to practice as the third person part of the team. Or if you're already a horse specialist, you can practice as a horse specialist. So you can go ahead and start getting involved even now as a student and learn more about it that way and perhaps hopefully even get involved with some existing programs that are out there. The fun thing about this has been, too, with our training program, we get a lot of also seasoned social workers out there who have been in the field a very long time and who are feeling burned out. And this has been something that we get a lot of feedback, has rejuvenated their interest and their love of providing therapy and helping people. So, yeah, helping people change their lives through the therapy process. So benefits, I think, social workers from all different, whether you're students or you've been in the field a really long time. (laughs) Worth looking into.
2: Yes, I agree. Horses are sensitive, intuitive creatures. What kinds of precautions do you take to maintain their physical and emotional well-being?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's always a good question to ask in in the animal-assisted therapy field in general. I think one of the benefits with the EGALA model by us not riding horses is that is beneficial for the horse as well. The role of the horse in an EGALA session is just to be themselves. And they are free. They're not constrained in any way. They can move and go where they please. And as such, they're able to take care of themselves. And so that's one of the things, is that side of it. When you put someone on the back of a horse, the horses have to start acting in certain ways for safety. And a lot of especially inexperienced riders on the backs of horses can tend to start causing problems in horses. So that's one of the benefits of on the ground on top of other reasons that we do it that benefit the clients. The other part is the role of the equine specialist is to be conscious of that. And that is their responsibility. It's usually that is their own horses, and so they're aware of their horses and what their needs are and to best meet those needs. So, you know, and horses are different just like people. So one horse, for instance, might be able to do four sessions in a day and love it and show up, like, can't wait to get through the gate into that space because they want to be part of it, kind of a feel. And non-verbally, they're moving towards. Um, Other horses might be one or two sessions in a day, and the horse specialist is responsible for knowing those signs and knowing when horses need a break, just like we as the human treatment team also need a break and need to take care of ourselves. The next is we do, our Code of Ethics addresses this. It is an ethical part of this work, and we also have endorsed the American Horse Council's welfare code of practice, which is a standard for horse care. So that is part of EGALA standards.
2: Great. Lynn, thank you so much for being available for this interview today. You had a lot of really great information. I love the stories that you shared. I think the audience is really going to enjoy this podcast.
3: Well, thank you. Thanks for your interest. And yeah, I look forward to hearing if anyone ever has any questions, they can go to our website and contact our office and or email us, and we look forward to being able to keep spreading the word about this. So, thank you.
1: You've been listening to Lynn Thomas discuss equine assisted psychotherapy on In Social Work.
0: Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree and continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.